This is the Magellan Journal, a podcast series here to help you navigate through EU opportunities. We remove the noise around current EU issues on different topics, such as transport and environment, each time through the perspective of a different expert. In this podcast, we speak to Joost van Tommel, who is the Smart Mobility Director of the European Automobile Manufacturers Association, ASEA, which represents the 16 major Euro-based car, van, truck and bus manufacturers. We talked to Joost about this highly regulated sector in Europe and what's next for connected and automated mobility in Europe. Good afternoon, Joost, and thank you for joining us in this podcast. Can you, to begin with, please present yourself, the organization you work for and your role in it? Yes, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, Andrea. Thanks for having me in your podcast. Indeed, I'm working for ASEA, ASEA, which is the European Automobile Manufacturers Association. In short, it's the association, trade association in Europe of the OEMs, so the vehicle manufacturers. In that organization, I'm the leading European director for smart mobility with the theme basically dealing with everything that has to do with connected automated driving artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, and I would say the digital strategy of the European Commission and so on. So that's in a nutshell, ASEA. We have 15 members. They're not SMEs, they're big members. They're they're coming from the, well, the big manufacturers, France, Germany, uh, UK, Sweden, and many more that we represent. And uh, for that, we have a whole, I would say, office in Brussels, obviously. We also have offices in Beijing, six people there. We have an alliance in Japan. Uh, and also in the United States, because our products are, are for the whole world, it's not only for one country. So in this, this is what we do. We are a classical trade association, a quite powerful one, if I can say so, because we're dealing with, uh, with a lot of big tickets on transport and on also decarbonization, sustainability, and on uh, also smart mobility. The automotive industry is one of the most regulated sectors in Europe, and ASEA is the voice of this industry, representing car, van, truck, and bus manufacturers. How do you advocate their interests towards the regulatory institutions? Well, first, for the reader or listener, I would say, have a look at our website, www.asea.be. So that's quite easy. You will find a portfolio of of the big tickets that we have. Give you a few of them. We are obviously very much involved into clean and safe mobility. That's about uh, sustainability, about CO2, about air quality, also about safety obviously, because we are making products that move people and move goods. So that's one, I would say, cluster of clean and safe. The second is smart and convenient road transport. So it's about smart mobility, about vehicles or being connected to either other vehicles or infrastructure or smart cities or whatever companies behind. And convenience, about affordable and convenient and, I would say, uh, comfort services that we try to promote as well. Another ticket is affordability um, and choice for consumers and professional drivers. Um, That's also an important one because in the end, it's not only us producing vehicles, we need to have somebody driving it and somebody using it. That's obviously our users. They can be consumers like you and me, or they can be professional uh, users like the truck users, for example, they are professional goods. And finally, the trade agenda is much important for us. Um, Since we are a global world, our vehicles do not pass the border without any customs control when we go outside the EU. So the whole regulations uh, dealing with trade with US, with China, with Canada, uh, and many others are, of course, uh, one of our important topics as well. Please. Mm-hmm. So ASEA represents major players of the European automotive industry, which can also mean dealing with some competitors among the members. 
Are you able to maintain a position of neutrality in this context? And if so, how do you ensure so? That's actually a very good question, which probably is true for all European trade associations and national as well. In our membership, we do have competitors, obviously, because every OEM is is different, has its unique value. And most of them, if not all, are stock listed. So we do have, well, we're very much aware of the competition compliance rules, obviously. So what we cannot do and will not do is talk about pricing, talk about customer sharing, talk about territorial sharing, neither do we have concerted practices or cartel behavior. That's definitely a no-go for all of us. What we do, however, is policymaking, also information sharing yeah, and, and common positioning. Next to that, we have advocacy programs and, and obviously lobbying as well. For that, we have uh, a number of, well, a lot of working groups, over, I think, 150 working groups and task forces. And, and for that, we form joint opinions, common opinions among the OEMs on a multitude of topics. This can go from CO2 to smart mobility to, I would say, road transport regulations. I would say every DG of the European Commission and every committee in the parliament is more or less, I would say, in our scope. Yeah. So when it comes to neutrality, we do have positions on neutrality, for example, on on, on the CO2 regulations. We do not want to foster one technology next to another. It's not about only electric cars in the future or only hydrogen or et cetera. There is still a room for diesel and petrol as well. So we try to be technology neutral. Um, the same goes for other files such as uh, data uh, sharing mechanisms. It's not about how to share data with XYZ, but it's more or less what's the integrity of data sharing and what should be the regulatory framework for that. Please. And as you mentioned before, you work obviously on a global scale as well, and you have offices around the world. You have a strong link with other key international partners like FIA, UCAR, Ertico. What is exactly the type of dialogue that you're building with the partners and in what way does this benefit the members' interests that you represent? Yeah, thank you for that question, which is indeed a question that pertains to how do we interact with the other side of the equation, Uh, For example, with the users, the users, the drivers, that's obviously the automobile clubs for the passenger cars, but also others. For the automobile club, they are gathered into FIA, and FIA is a worldwide organization also represented at United Nations, like all of us. For Europe, we have the Region 1 dealing with that in Europe, and we do have a lot of interaction with them in terms of, yeah, mutual understanding of the agenda. We might not always agree, but at least we agree to disagree or we disagree to agree. That depends on the subjects, but it's a good, which is sound dialogue, which we have with them. Others can be Ertico and the Mars Alliance. I'll give you one example of Ertico. Ertico is really a great, unique partnership. It's a public-private partnership over 120 members, I would say, fostering ITS, but much more than ITS, so intelligent transport mm-hmm. systems, where we are in the board uh, and also chairing, co-chairing the strategy committee. Another one is the Mars Alliance. Mars is about mobility as a service. So it's not only about cars or uh, not commercial vehicles or buses. It's, it's about multimodal. How do we fit into the multimodality, into the bikes, into the motorcycles, and how do we behave in that? For that, we are also a member in the board of the Mars Alliance in Europe. And I can go on and go on. Um, uh, another example maybe is the, in terms of automated driving, we talk a lot about connected and automated driving. That's actually my, my core topic that I'm dealing with. We need, of course, the other side of the, of the equation is the roads yeah? and the cities, because we don't fly, we, don't, we are really literally driving on the tarmac and asphalt. So we need to have a good dialogue. And that's what we have with, with, for example, institutions like CEDAR and ASICAP. So those 
people and agencies who are maintaining the roads and are actually going much further now into the digital parts of the roads as well and into the digital representation of the road signs, the traffic signs and so on. The same goes for traffic in cities, city mobility and urban mobility, I have to say. Um, there is a dedicated agenda of DG Move on this one, which we are fostering as well. And with them, we're also uh, having excellent contacts with these people. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And you were mentioning before also the examples of electric cars and hybrid cars. Besides that, there is an ever-growing trend, particularly between youngsters and environmental activists, but just among a general public in general, to leave cars behind and move on to other types of less polluting transport modes, such as rail. What is your opinion about this? Well, we have uh, dedicated papers on that. First, we are not against any other transport mode. Let's be clear, we are, we are actually multimodal. We are part of the, of the I would say, of the, the whole ecosystem. For us, the soft mobility modes are equally important as us. For example, in cities, we do not want cars in every corner of the city. No, that might be the old times, but we preach that we should have, I wouldn't say equal access, but at least a streamlined access to, to city mobility. We see a number of initiatives where cities, for example, have urban access regulations, meaning that they say you cannot drive here for all kinds of reasons. And some of them have to do with, with emissions, some others with air quality, some others with the type of vehicle you're driving, or even with the type of goods you have in the vehicle. So for trucks, for example. And we see a lot of uh, disparity. If I go to Portugal, so your country, but many other countries and many other cities, they have different regulations. There is no level playing field in this. There is no European across the board approach. So we preach at least to have a, a uniform or at least a synchronized approach among these regulations. So that for us, when we go to connected and automated driving, we know exactly beforehand what would be the regime. The same is true for the, I would say, for the, the soft modes on walking, for example, the pedestrians. For us, of course, important, that's clear. We want also to have a better interaction with that community to also to see to what extent can we have even more safer systems in the vehicle. We are subject to very hard regulations on, on safety, on passenger safety, but also on safety of the vehicle and cybersecurity next to that. We want to interact and to have a, even a more intensive dialogue with the with the users and with the, I would say, the pedestrians, the soft mode, I would say, in the, in the, on the streets. So that is a dialogue uh, that we have either bilaterally between ASEA and many other organizations, but also organized or scripted by the European Commission. Uh, when we talk about automated driving, we have dedicated working groups within the platform of DG Grow and the member states, but also the road authorities and us. But we see also their cities, road agencies, we see uh, the bicyclists, for example, and the motorcycles. So important that we have the common dialogue on how to go forward in this, I would say, new trend of connected, automated and yeah, uh, less emitting uh, vehicles. Mm -hmm. And to get a little bit more deeper into that, mm -hmm. so this is one of your priorities, connected yes. and automated driving. Yep. And this promises to revolutionize the individual mobility, so to say. And the new EU innovation program, Horizon Europe, also gives great attention to this goal. However, right. even though connectivity and automation are very much linked, they are not the same and no. they raise different challenges. Could you explain us what those challenges are and how Horizon Europe could help to overcome them? That's a big question. You can have me an hour on this or even a day. But to shortcut this one, first connected driving, connected mobility is about literally a, a device is being connected to another device. It's a bit like the IoT, Internet of Things, where we have vehicles, can be passenger cars or even buses, that are connected to another vehicle. That's one. And that is done through uh, either short-range communication 
or long range being cellular communication. That's why we have a partnership with the mobile community, with the, I would say, the telecommunication organization, but also the short range device community. And that's sending vehicle data to other vehicles, to other vehicles, so that the other vehicle is being warned in advance of a certain thing. It can be a roadblock, it can be an accident, it can be all kinds, it can be congestion, it can be weather conditions, and so on. <clears throat> so that's the, the V2V part of the equation. There's another part that's a V2I, so vehicle to infrastructure, where actually our vehicles are transmitting data on the vehicle status, on the status of the roads, on the weather conditions, on everything that goes around the vehicle, and they send these kind of data to the infrastructure. Infrastructure being the motorways, the roads, the cities, and so on. So that's a, a combination of smart sensors, smart cameras, smart whatever in the car, ECUs. We transform or we, we transcript this data and we send it to them, and they send back data to us as well. For that, we have, for example, we are sharing a data task force with the member states and the road authorities to exchange safety-related data such as roadblocks, such as hazardous locations, or also weather conditions, slippery road, for example. That information is very much important for them and the other way around. So that's about connected to the vehicle, connected to the infrastructure, but that's only a start. We're now connected to many other things. We call it V2X. X being you and me, being the insurance company, it can be a repair and maintenance center, so your workplace, your garage. It can be for remote diagnostics, like you do e-health. You can do e-health with a car in the future. It can be with smart cities. It can be with tolling, all kinds of personalized services that are now possible through the connectivity and the data sharing that we actively do with these third parties, with these partners. So that's about connected driving. Into the play comes the whole data strategy of the European Commission, the strategy on connectivity, on 5G, obviously, as well. We don't need 5G for everything, but for a number of use cases, a number of applications, they might be very important to have coverage on 5G in a granular way everywhere, not only in the cities. That's why we have a partnership with the telecommunications community. Other things that have to do with connectivity is cybersecurity. So for that, we have a dedicated program based on the UNEC, so the United Nations regulation that has been adopted now in June last year, where we now negotiate with, with the commission and ENISA, the appropriate framework for um, connected and automated driving in order not to, not to have safe, unsafe cars, I would say, that can be hacked or are not cybersecure. So that's the whole, I would say, area it has to do with connectivity, data sharing, artificial intelligence, ITS. That's about connectivity. Automated driving or automation is a different thing. They come together with connectivity to some extent, but automation has to do with levels of automated driving. It goes from a dumb car, which, is, which you drive, which you activate, and you are really the master or the mistress of the ceremony here. Where the other side, we see the autonomous cars, autonomous vehicles that are actually, they are driving you. So you're, you're, you might be in the driving seat, maybe, but actually the car is, is in the driving seat, it is driving you. Now, easier said than done, of course, we have different levels of automation based on international standards and agreements. And for that, we have we now have very deep discussions on what is allowed in a certain level of automation. Can you eat, drink, sleep in an automated car? Can you do other things than just looking at the traffic, watching the traffic? So that's about the vehicle regulations that we're now finalizing actually with the commission on this one. We also have traffic regulations. It's not only because you have a vehicle that is fully automated, even for example, a robot car or a robot taxi, or in the automated valet parking that the car goes to the parking itself, all very nice, but 
or you're allowed to do it on the public road. And that's not in our hands, that's in the hands of the traffic regulations. That's the traffic ministries, the transport ministries, even local cities and so on. And that's the, the other side that we want to, to have interaction with. It's how to synchronize traffic crews in Europe to allow a better synchronization of automated driving across the broad, across borders, for example. Yeah. So these two are different, but they need each other. At least automated driving will be very much helped by connected driving. Because if you were in an automated driving mode in a city, it would be very nice for the, for the manufacturer to know exactly what is the physical outprint of the infrastructure. What is the environment in which you are on, on which you are driving? What is the, the speed limit? What is the possibility of using another road? Is it a one-way route or not? All these kind of uh, physical elements that you see on the physical infrastructure, we want this to be digitized and to have it in a digital format. We call it a digital twin, so that the physical infrastructure is replicated, is copy-pasted into um, digital formats into our HD maps, so our high-definition maps of the OEMs, so that you drive uh, really autonomously in the future without yeah, having to look and to watch the traffic signs and the environment, but really rely on the OEMs, I would say, adaptation of the vehicle. Now, this is a lot of work to do. There's a lot of artificial intelligence at play as well, and a lot of commonalities that we have to agree upon with the whole community, not only with the OEMs, but with the whole traffic industry and automated suppliers as well, the whole suppliers industry. Please. Yes, and you also were mentioning the importance of data privacy and so on. How do you see the data economy and data governance issues that the Commission is bringing out more and more recently with a special focus on vehicles? Well, first, the, the data strategy of the European Commission and the digital strategy, it was enacted in February 2020, if I'm not mistaken, paving the way for a real digital and a real cloud Eurocentric approach. That's one. Secondly, on digital, it's also about the digital compass that has recently been adopted by the Commission. It's how to move forward in the, in the rollout of 5G networks and even beyond how to do with skills, with digital skills, and I would say habits, also e-government and so on. So for us, this data and digital strategy is one of the key elements next to the decarbonization, the sustainability elements. We want our vehicles to be first decarbonized, which they are now. So I think we made our promise. It's now up to the charging stations and to the infrastructure side of the, of the equation to, to lift it up and to have enough infrastructure for that. Secondly, it's about connected and automated driving with a link to, to have a better comfort as well, but also a, a better infrastructure, a physical infrastructure and digital infrastructure. For that, the data sharing initiative of the commission and the, I would say, data governance initiative is welcome. We want indeed to foster a mobility data space in which we are, or through which we can be more active and, and actually more efficient. We will share data. We will share data in a common data reference model with the same the metadata so that at least we understand each other if we send something to each other. And it's not only about vehicles, it's about the IT industry, about many other partners and players. So for that, we have a lot of research going on through the, uh, the newly established CCAM partnership. That's the partnership that we have with the European Commission and many other stakeholders on research and innovation, where the Digital Europe program or the Horizon Europe program is, is much welcome to foster new, yeah, new evolutions for our, for our sector, please. 
Mm -hmm. And to conclude, and looking on a larger scale, when it comes to cooperative and autonomous mobility, the European yeah. Commission warmly encourages a tight international cooperation with markets outside Europe, such yeah. as Asia and the United States. What is the position of ASEA on this matter? Well, first, we are very open-minded. Since uh, my members, there are 15 OEMs who have locations a bit everywhere. If you take my German members, my French, my Swedish, UK, they all have plants a bit around the world. So first, they, they build products that are not only fit for the European market or national, they do it for the whole market. Yeah. Secondly, we want an open economy. I know it's a buzzword, but that means that we see a lot of, still outside the EU then, a lot of national uh, sovereign measures that would block some of our import ambitions. Yeah. We very much were involved in the TTIP in the past with the US. We've seen the Mercosur, South America, uh, Latin America, and so on. We were very much involved with Korea, uh, with Japan, the FTA that we have now. So all this is very much welcomed. So that's why trade is for us an, a, a big ticket. And it's not only, not only about producing cars, but actually being able to sell, to maintain and to trade these instruments and these smart instruments that we are producing. Okay. Well, Jos, that was my last question. And I want to thank you very much for this interesting discussion and for taking your time to talk to us. Excellent, Andrea. Thank you for having me. And if any other questions for the listeners, please reach out to ASEA.be and to me. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Perfect. Have a good day. Bye-bye. If you like this podcast and want to know more about Magellan, check out our website at www.magellan-association.org.